0: voice of fintech hello and welcome to voice of fintech africa series i'm rudy Fala, the founder of voice of fintech podcast in this series you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs investors incumbents and ecosystem hub leaders from africa and this episode is hosted by (music) stacy
1: Welcome to the Voice of Fintech podcast. I'm Stacey Jafter and today I'll be interviewing Akshay Grover, Group CEO of Celulint. Akshay, how are you doing? Great,
0: Stacey. Uh, fantastic in the, in the new year now that I'm back from a two-week break, which was
1: quite welcome. Nice. I had almost a month vacation because I had so much leave that we had to just use. But it's the longest break I've taken in years and it felt amazing. Did you do anything fun on yours?
0: Uh, Well, actually, I I had to cancel my holiday plans and instead stuck around in Nairobi, um, though we managed to get away to to the Mara for a bit.
1: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Akshay, I'm really excited to learn more about your career journey and essentially what led you to become Group CEO of Sailent. Floor's yours.
0: Uh, you know, Stacey, I think you know maybe 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 the way to to answer that question is to kind of just walk you through uh, how this all came about. And you know, I think I think the starting point of my Africa journey was really was yeah. perhaps my stint at EY back in two thousand seven when I foot set foot on on the continent. And at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 I managed to get to Cameroon. Uh, it wasn't the most hospitable experience uh, that I can recall. Um, really? Um, we were representing an Indian business to buy an asset. Uh, I was an investment banker those days with Austin Young. And we, we were buying an asset in Cameroon. Um, uh, at, those, at that point of time, Cameroon didn't even have probably... You know, a, a rooftop on its airport terminal. So it was sort of a tin roof. You wow. in, you know, <laughs> literally a tin roof airport. And I was, you know, my impression of Africa wow. started there. W- but but I think over time, uh, I went to, on to do more stuff in Africa, and then uh, at one one of the on one of the occasions in 2012, um, uh, met. Uh, a first-generation entrepreneur, an Indian guy who, who wanted to set up or who had, the, had a vision to set up the largest uh, business process outsourcing and IT business in Africa. And at that time, mm-hmm. that was, quote-unquote, a little sexier than it is today um, because yeah. uh, a lot of outsourcing was happening in the world and, of course, India was at the center of that. Uh, And Mm. these guys said that I want to raise, you know, $30 million to do this business. I don't have a company. uh, I don't have a business yet, but I have a vision and a plan. Um, And then somehow I got engaged on that um, that process. And um, even though it was impossible, we actually managed to raise that quantum of capital pretty much in a very smallish company back in 2013. And and again, that was a time when, you know, tech investments in Africa are nowhere, uh, were nowhere around the corner. Uh, very, very early days for technology in Africa back in 2013. Um, and then they had um, a large African fund called Satya Capital that invested in that business. Um, and after that, somehow, destiny brought us together. And one of the days, the founders of this business, met me again at an airport in Bahrain, and said you know how long do you want to keep doing investment banking Um, and i was thinking to myself yeah i mean i've done 10 years of this um seems like i could do something different and he said why don't you why don't you work with me and help me build this outsourcing slash it business in africa and so in 2014 i joined this group called Ison uh to help them build their business and then the next six years sort of just flew by flying across every single country there is in Africa, meeting, setting up the business, growing that business from a hundred people to almost 30,000. By the time I left wow. in, in December of 2020, um, by then we'd raised $500 million of equity capital in that business. Lots of private equity had come in, some had gone out, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, But for me, uh, that combination, of having um, been in an organization like EY that was very process-driven, yeah. uh, system, process governance, to being then yeah. then yeah. thrown da- you know in deep into the entrepreneurial environment was quite a shocker, uh, but taught me a lot, gave me a lot of life lessons. Um, more importantly, figured out how to do business in almost every country in Africa. And I think it set the wow. foundation for me then to, to join Cellulent because, um, because the combination of both, let's call it structured and unstructured, came together. Um, and I think um, that's sort of a good summary of how I got to be at Cellulent in the first place.
1: That's awesome. The last time we spoke, you were interim CEO, and now you're officially the group CEO. How has things changed, and how has the position changed since?
0: Yeah, well, my day job is still the same, Stacey. That's the question. Okay. <laughs> uh, but.
1: So nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not much has changed, uh, but you know, I think, I think, um, I think the board. When I was hired in the business uh the the shareholders in the board had a view that they wanted to bring in somebody who would be a strong partner to the founders and be ready to mm-hmm. uh, to take on the shoes of the founders that had initially set up this business um, and and you know there was there's always a journey to sort of getting there I think um, uh, yeah uh and I think being being interim CEO probably was a good bridge during that journey um, so that's what I would say but I think um, I think it le- I think having um, any leadership which is permanent is is always mm-hmm. good for a business because it creates yeah. certainty um, and it creates an environment where uh, people are not wondering what's happening at leadership so I think that's the biggest value sure. uh, that that brings yeah Um, other than, you know, any other aspect of the
1: business. Yeah. Salient has made it their purpose to create opportunities that accelerate economic growth for all of Africa. Your experience crosses many borders and at times many outside of Africa. How have you found your past positions prepared you for something like this and for a mission like this?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think, Stacey... um, I think having a world view is always helpful. Um, yeah, fintech is is a very fast growing sector. It's a sector where things are evolving very very rapidly. So having an understanding of what's happening in uh, some let's call it front leading emerging markets like India, China, yeah. Indonesia, uh, Philippines, Singapore. Uh, I think I think it. It only adds to your understanding of how some of those markets have evolved over time. Uh, there are always things to learn and contextualize um, in terms of saying what is then applicable to Africa. I think that applicability is something that that you can only learn experientially. Uh, the second thing I think, having a lot of global experiences. It helps you to navigate people, culture, understand nuances so that you're a lot more sensitive to the way people are, the way people work, what people like, what people Mm. don't like. and that's I can't stress on how important that is uh, when you're working in a business that operates in 30 plus countries because it's more important for you to be adaptable than it is for those people to be adaptable.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, At EY, you started out as a senior consultant and over the course of around like 10 years, you became a director. It's so rare these days to find somebody staying loyal to a company for that long. What do you think kept you there? And and what's your opinion on the youth job hopping so often?
0: Yeah. That's a great question because, you know, I come across so many people nowadays who who literally are hopping jobs every, every every year or every 18 months.
1: Crazy, uh, yeah. And, and I
0: think, you know, I think it's unfair to, to compare uh, how life could have been 15 years back to where it is now. Uh, so it's probably not fair. But, you know, my take on all of this is that firstly, for you to meaningfully, at least in the early part of your career, I think it's very important to be focused on learning than it is to be focused on how much money you make. And okay. if you're focused on learning, you are building long term value. Um, mm. and you will get an opportunity to monetize that that capability, that learning mm. that you've gathered mm. over the over the over the life, but you need to have the patience to achieve that. Now whether it should be ten years or it should be five years is always a question that we can calibrate. Uh, in today's environment just given the dynamism of what's happening around us but but i think my view is to some extent i would say that i've always been a fan of saying little at least a medium at least have a medium term outlook to to how you're doing and if you're getting the learning if you're if you have the career growth if you have the opportunities where you're sitting then You know, there's always something or the other in the world which looks nicer. Um, But, you know, when you land up there, you realize that you just traded off one set of downsides for another set of downsides. So was it really worth it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you look at quite a lot of CVs when you're interviewing and it's probably more at a senior level. So job hopping, maybe may not be as common but is there a sweet spot like what's that number you look at what number will you be like nope i'm not going to consider that's too short that you've stayed at these last two companies at x amount of time and where do you think that sweet spot lies
0: hard question stacy but uh, there's no there's no <laughs> there's no there's no right or wrong answer on this one and i think it's, it's a judgment because you know you come across yeah. people who've spent uh 10 years in an organization and then did Three one years, mm. you know. And now, what do you yeah. make of that? Is it that the person uh, suddenly changed his dynamic, or is it that you know he just yeah. didn't find his sweet spot? You know, and that, that happens a lot. Right? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a judgment call on on sure. on how you look at any piece of information. But I think that from start to end, somebody is changing a job every two years. Mm. I feel that at least for me, somebody, for me looking at that resume, I feel like, mm, you know, is there really a value in hiring this and, you know, is this person just constantly looking for the next best thing, right? Um, yeah. And is that then valuable for me to invest in that individual as an organization, right? Uh, so I, sure. so I, I'd, so, I'd, so I'd, I'd stay away from saying there's a an hard answer, but I, hopefully I've answered your question. Um,
1: yeah i also think the the importance is the why i think that's also something that you're touching on it's like why did they jump like who knows maybe that business was shutting down or um maybe that just wasn't the right culture for for them they're not just somebody who goes in and gives up you just never know what the actual story is so no i definitely agree with that um i did want to say congratulations you're near closing a funding round so this will be what, Sellyland's fourth round of funding? Is that Yeah, correct? it's a
0: Series D. Uh, I I wouldn't say we're close, but I would say we're definitely midway through there. Um, and I think awesome. um, hopefully, hopefully if all goes well, we should close it maybe by April or May.
1: That's huge. How has this round differed from the rest? It's a big household name now, so I'm sure it's been a different experience.
0: I, I, I think that... I think I think you know as you progress through your maturity um, there is there is greater amount of clarity on the direction that the business is taking because you are not testing too much you, you, you're, you're testing you're, you're figuring out where you want to go a, a lot of the direction is already set unlike when you're in your series A when you're still defining direction yeah so I think yeah. I think direction setting is clear. I think by the time you get to a Series D, you've also built um, quite a bit of management depth and capability. Um, yeah. And I think, um, though though candidly, that's something you probably do forever, right? As you raise more capital, the business is growing leaps and bounds and you always want to add more, more and more depth on that front. But, you know, at least there is some baseline which is in there uh, at the moment. And then the third thing is um, because you've Spread out as a business across 35 countries. You have customers, large customers that you service, not in one country but in 15, 20, 25 countries. So I think, I think you begin, as you said, to be known as more of, I wouldn't say a household name because we aren't a consumer business, but at least, uh, yeah. at least well known in in your business community, in your partners, in your banking system, uh, amongst your customers, and so on and so forth. So I think. All those three or four things have changed between Series A and Series D. And to that extent, it does make the process of capital raising um, a lot easier than in the very, very early days. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you have any advice for those going through capital raising currently? Yeah, I mean... uh,
0: i think uh, <laughs> i think uh, uh, again you know i think that advice is nuanced based on when you're raising capital how you're raising capital and so on so forth yeah. so. but but yeah. i've had one philosophy because mm-hmm. uh partly because you see what's happening around you and partly because i'm also an an angel investor myself and and i keep investing capital my own Obviously. capital in early stage businesses and i and i see a lot of founders making a mistake which is chasing valuation and chasing fundraise as an end game. whereas the end game okay. is actually building a great business um, yeah. because if you achieve building a great business, capital there is no dearth of capital in this world. capital will follow you. What you have to be focused on at every stage in the business is doing something which is disruptive, Doing something which creates value, it actually addresses a pain point somewhere. And then of course there is an ability to scale that idea and that concept, right? So I think I, I think if if you focus on the business, there's a very strong probability that you will be successful in raising capital. It just might take you a few more weeks, a few more months, but that's just the pain you have to go through with every fundraiser.
1: I find angel investors so interesting and I know that you have a lot of experience in investment in your prior career, but do you, what do you look for? Early stage businesses, obviously there, there are certain things you look for. What draws you to businesses where you look at that? You're like, yes, this is the type of business I want to put my money in.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it goes back to Stacey. I think it always goes back to a couple of fundamentals. Uh, question number one, as I said, is a problem being solved? Question number two: How big is that problem that you're solving in terms of addressable size, market opportunity, etc., etc.? Yeah. Third is: Does the, is the the founder slash the team? Do they have uh, the right experience, the right capabilities, passion, integrity? Uh, so, is it in short, is it the right team? Um, yeah. Um, those two, three questions are my most, let's call it, stressed upon questions when I'm thinking about should I invest or should I not invest. Um, um, There is maybe a fourth, which is how good is the execution capability of that team? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's always a question that you almost always cannot answer before making the investment because, because, (laughs) because, because you're making an investment at such an early stage. That there isn't enough of an execution track record for you to really understand whether this team can execute or not. So you are almost always using judgment on that one than using any hard data.
1: Yeah. I speak to fintech startups every single day. Some of them one person, some of them five, some of them 20, some of them 100. And this is something that I'm so fascinated about and I would love to start. Where would somebody like myself for their first investment, where do you begin? Where do you look? Um, do you have any advice for somebody like myself who hasn't even begun?
0: Uh, Stacey, there, 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 there can't be a right answer to that question because honestly, I think, sure. I, I think the only thing I would advise you is, you know, if you have $100 to invest, invest $10 In 10 opportunities. Mm. Don't invest $50 in one. And $50 in the second. Because the probability you're going to go wrong. Is very very high. Yeah. So I think. Any early stage first time investors, My advice is. Invest small amounts. It's okay to lose some money. Be ready to lose some money. Be prepared. To write off amounts. But if you are disciplined and if you're consistent and you allocate that capital to 10 opportunities, right? There is a reasonably high chance that you will succeed on the $100 to make money.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. No, that's great advice. Thanks so much. Akshay, April is around the corner. Do you have any big plans that you're allowed to share for the round being closed?
0: Uh, not really, Stacy. I mean, that's not something I can comment on. <laughs>
1: okay, okay. Uh, sure.
0: Unfortunately, sure, sure. uh, but but what I can say is what what are the one or two or three big items that we are already doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is very close to where you are. Was the, we just recently set up our South Africa business? Literally two weeks back, four weeks back.
1: That's awesome. And that's
0: awesome. We that's a market that we want to actively address, uh, and the second such market is in the opposite direction. It's in Egypt, in North Africa. Uh, both these offices slash countries have been opened up. So far, we've predominantly been in Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, so, in a way, it's our first meaningful foray outside of sub-sahara into both North and South Africa. So that's one yeah. uh, material development direction that we're taking in the coming weeks.
1: That is so exciting. I'm excited to see. I'm definitely going to keep up with everything. Sailor Lent has the potential to become a unicorn here in Africa. What do you think are a couple things that are needed to accomplish this? This is going to be huge.
0: I'm hoping Stacy, we we get to unicorn well before the end of this calendar year, um, and I wow. think I think I think we're we're already on a good path to get there. Um, uh, but again, uh, going back to the same advice, you know, I, 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 <laughs> which is you know being unicorn is not an end by itself. Uh, mm. Having a one billion dollar is not an end by itself. I think building a great sustainable business which addresses the needs of the market is what we are trying to build here. Um, uh, And that's what we want to keep ourselves focused on. If it's 1 billion, it's 1 billion. If it's 3 billion, it's 3 billion. If it's 700 million, it's 700 million. Uh, But we believe with that approach, we will create significant value for our shareholders.
1: Akshay, thank you so much for your time. This podcast episode was definitely insightful. Thanks again.
0: Thank you very much, Daisy.
1: Akshay, where's the best place for listeners to reach LinkedIn. you? Awesome. Well, thanks again.
0: Thank you so much, Daisy. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at voiceofintech.com.
1: Happy to hear from you.